Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Author Sherry Show. My name is Author Sherry. I work as a public speaking coach and a TEDx speaker coach in India. I'm on a mission to create one million public speakers in India by 2030, and that's the reason I've created a platform for aspiring and professional speakers, MS Talks India. Ladies and gentlemen. Today we have a very special guest coming all the way live from Queensland, Australia. She is a peak performance coach for athletes, a professional speaker, and somebody who loves to talk about communication, human mind psychology, and been doing a lot of work for the professional athletes. working on their mindset their behavior profiling their emotional intelligence and lot many other things so let's hear from her let me welcome with a round of applause our guest of the day gayo dwyer she is with us gayo welcome to the author sherry show you're live on the screen and i simply love your name If you see the acronym G O D, the God is already there in the name. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you all things mindset, communication. So thank you very much. Incredible. You're most welcome. And we'll start with the proceedings. I would like to know what's your favorite song. and i'll play that number for you for a few seconds gosh well it was hard to pick a favorite song however i picked a song that has resonated all through my 20s and i'm sort of in my late 40s now and it's a song right. i feel about life that whatever you're doing in life as long as you're giving it your best and you're having a go at everything that you're truly just living the life that you want and it's about no regrets and it's about going for it and enjoying the moment the good the bad the ugly the pretty all of the polarity of life sure so what's the name of the song it's called good riddance actually by a band good called riddance. wednesday okay then, let me play that number for you no worries Awesome. Thank you very much. No, you're welcome. I feel like we're in a pretty unpredictable time of life at the moment. Uh yes, that's So, I guess as we keep going through life, we're going to be faced with all sorts of things and uh how are we going to manage it? 
Yeah, I hope uh, that you guys are safe out there. And Thank you. You know, it's all happening. It's it's all the destiny, but that's okay. You know, now that we have come up with this problem, we all have to face it and overcome it. Yeah, that's right. All right. Same for you in India. Yeah, thank you very much. So, guy, uh, tell me something which I have not covered in your introduction. Just through your journey, what has been your journey? How did you started? What you are doing right now? And uh, what has been your favorite things? And uh, tell me your favorite quote also. What do you like the most? So, starting with my favorite quote, my favorite quote would be, uh, "Have faith that the small and the big will come." I feel absolutely in life, and and particularly running your own business and and whatever you're doing, uh, you're going to have moments that uh, you're winning, and there's going to be moments that are a struggle. Um, and always just reminding yourself to to make sure you're doing life in increments. Um, I work with professional athletes, and they've been true testament that uh, when you have faith with the small and you keep going, you keep going. Eventually, the big will come. So that's definitely my favourite quote. It's written in my office, and I say it to myself repeatedly. Um, in 2013, I started the journey of self-discovery, human behaviour. I studied neuro-linguistic programming, um, e-disc behavioural profiling, uh, and the NLP, which is simply the communication um, that we're having with ourselves. So the communication of our mind and how we're programming ourselves resonated heavily with me. Um, I'm an ambitious person, uh, and I love I love to have a go at everything. So once I was um, certified in those realms in human behaviour, it was very clear to me from the start that I wanted to work with professional athletes. Uh, a couple of reasons: one, I like to work with people that want results and that um, are really driven and focused, and also I love sport. So. It seemed to me that was that was always going to be the way. Um, it's been fantastic so far. I've worked with a lot of great athletes. Um, I've enjoyed a lot of sporting events. I would say mostly though, um, it's not really the wins or you know, it's it's the whole roundedness of working with an athlete, the social emotional intelligence, and and seeing how far they develop during the process. And. Um, I've also, you know, I do a lot of speaking like yourself. So all of the techniques that I use with the athletes, I use with myself before I go on stage, uh, which is basically the principles of NLP. Oh, that's that's quite awesome. Thank you very much for sharing what all you are doing right now. And it's spectacular the way you have understood about your self-discovery of life and you've started and what you are doing today. So you have mentioned that you love playing sports or you love training professional athletes. What is your favorite sport, Guy? Uh, so my favorite sport when I grew up actually was field hockey. I played um, hockey most of my junior life. Uh, I loved it. Um, I'm the youngest of three brothers. So in our house, there was a lot of football, rugby league and a lot of cricket. Oh, that's awesome. Incredible. It is common here. What's your, yeah. what's your favorite player in cricket? Uh, so my favorite Australian player, I've got two, um, Shane Warne. And ah. <laughs> I know he's a character. Uh, and I yeah. also, yeah, I also really liked Brett Lee. Yeah. 
And when I was young, when I was little, um, I liked the wicketkeeper um, Rodney Marsh. Ah, Rodney Marsh. Okay, so all three people are legends. I mean, they are legends. They are the they are the history creators in the business of cricket. So you know, great choice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, my, I was telling you, my oldest brother produced cricket uh, in India. So he spent on and off over his life around five years in Delhi. So he's a massive uh, cricket fan, and yeah. So yeah, it's big in our family. I can honestly tell you that. Superb, superb. Great to know about that. So, as you have mentioned, that uh, you started doing professional athletes coaching, and you have mentioned about the mindset. Guy, what is the one fundamental principle of neuro linguistic programming (NLP) that has changed you and your clients? Yeah, great question. Um, it's something very simple, Sherry. It's so simple. However, when I first learned this principle um, back in 2013, it immediately changed the way I responded to life rather than reacted. So I could, the easiest and a principle that everyone can do from this moment on, it's called the principle of cause and effect. So if you imagine a line running through your life, when we're at effect, when we're below the line, uh, we're living in a state where we're blaming circumstance or person for our non-results. It's uh, a fairly unattractive place to be. It tends to be a victim state and poor me. However, if you come up above the line, you come up to cause, which is essentially 100% adult responsible thinking, where you become accountable for your results and your non-results. Uh, so an example would be, um, let's just use golf for an example. Golfers that are living below the line may be programming over and over. The reason that they're not doing well at golf is because of the weather. It, you know, you're going to hear this, you know, but it's windy. You don't understand, Gay, how hard it is. You don't know what it's like to be out there for 18 holes stuck in your head. So there'll be a lot of those conversations around golf. Um, also work with a lot of surfing uh, in Australia. Similar thing, um, when surfers aren't getting results, they immediately will blame the weather, the wind, the size of the waves. So what's happening effectively is they're down there at effect, they're blaming person or circumstance or environment for their non-results. The thing is, someone is going to win and someone's going to dominate that day whether it's wind or rain, it's just who is going to come up above the line and be up at what we call cause consistently. Uh, at a high, if you're a high performing athlete, you want to be living up there at 90% and beyond. And it, it takes effort. It it takes a lot of um, self talk. It takes a lot of shattering old beliefs. Um, and all of us are going to have days where we go down to effect, you know, like there'll be days where you will go to poor me. I mean, I go there, um, I might eat a couple of blocks of chocolate, um, but I don't stay there for long. It, it becomes a problem when you're living your life there and you, you're staying in victim state. Um, so for me, it's a simple principle. It's something that you just keep tapping back into, you're saying to yourself, come back up, rise. And I think um, the best demonstration actually with athletes that I've worked with um, are actually boxers because they don't have time to stay down in victim state. If they stay there, they won't get off the floor. So they don't, they just, they come up. And um, I've loved working with pro boxers for that reason.
incredible incredible and that was quite an informative uh, answer you have given to us so in fact what i have understood about what you are doing is that you are basically working on the mindset of the athletes making them realize discover their hidden potential unleashing it and then making them understand that everything will come from inside you exactly. there is no enemy within enemy outside cannot harm us i remember this quote and you know, that's exactly what you are doing you're just trying to remove that enemy who is stopping all of us to do our bit that's it and i think yeah, and that's exactly what you are doing so i'm sure that uh, you're applying a lot of principles as you have mentioned so what do you think that uh, what is the role of uh, cause and effect so how can we apply the principle of cause and effect in our life Yeah great so the first thing to identify if you're living at cause or at effect you're starting to listen to the language that you're saying to yourself um are you blaming others are you blaming an environment a circumstance um for how you're feeling for what's going on for you um and if you're finding that you're stuck in a rut and you're finding that you're in fact not living to your full potential or you are for me then it's time to address the way that you're currently speaking to yourself and also what meaning you're attaching to a situation so um you know the environment never changes just the meaning that we give to it and right now we're experiencing with covid-19 um an enormous degree of uncertainty and a horrific situation However, what's the meaning we're giving to it? How are we adapting? How are we adjusting? What are we saying to ourselves? Um and it's going to give you a varying degree of of how people are managing that. That's amazing. I love that line. What meaning you're attaching to a situation that makes all the difference. That's right. Actually, The event never changes, just the meaning. So golf never changes, the meaning that the golf gives to it changes it. Um for you, you know, as a speaker and myself as a speaker, the meaning never changes. When we stand on stage, it's the meaning that we're giving it. So right before I go on stage, Sherry, every time before I speak, I say to myself, "Gay, serve with love." That's the only meaning I give. And everything else is out. brilliant brilliant so it's the way you actually uh, give the mind direction and the moment mind is directionless from you where you don't have your personality knowing thyself here the entire thing which we are talking about this is an interesting discussion going on i'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this live interview will benefit to all the inputs what guy odwar is sharing over here and she is just talking something amazing over here stay in touch and i'm going to the next question about the professional athletes so when this question came to my mind that why exactly only these specific professional athletes i know it's not an easy task to motivate a person to go beyond the limits transcend their imagination and when you are working with professional athletes I take an example of Virat Kohli I saw his interview is a Indian cricket captain uh, he he admitted that he visualizes before he go to the ground and hold the bat and he visualized that he's made a century and stay he's still sticking there make sure that till the end India wins 
and do you think that uh, these kind of strategies really work so my question is why did you choose to work with professional athletes only yeah great questions um I chose to work with professional athletes. Uh, I love sport and I love the emotion. You know, I do work in the field of social emotional intelligence. I love the emotion that comes with sport. Whether it's seeing like complete heartbreak within a country and a community where you're going for a team and you feel it's heartbreak, you know, when your team loses or your favorite player gets injured. Um, and equally, I love to see um, the emotion when, whether it's an individual sportsman does something beyond, breaks a record, and, and you see them, and you know that that wasn't 60 minutes of work, or that wasn't three minutes of running. That was like years of training to do that. So I'm always, for me and my belief personally, is I feel like sport brings people together in a way that politics and religion can't. Um, I love to watch emotion on athletes, the crying, all of those things. It's to me, it's very powerful. Um, so that's one reason I love to work with sport. In terms of the mental imagery that you're talking about, visualization, I, I, my expertise is in that. I create mental rehearsal for athletes using um, NLP techniques where I will start to recreate the story in their mind, exactly what you're talking about, where it's the visuals of seeing how that athlete is either going to bat, bowl if it's cricket, golf, how they're gonna swing, how they're gonna chip, how they're gonna putt, how a boxer is gonna, how they, how they see the world, how they make sense of it. Um, and once I know how they make sense of it, I will create, it's, it's almost like baking a cake. It's like getting a recipe for their mind and we will go over it and over it. Um, one of the reasons we do that repetition is we want to break old beliefs that no longer work for the client and we want to take them into the future of new beliefs. The science has proven that um, one negative thought causes a muscle constriction in our body of up to 50%. So our body becomes rigid. And you can imagine a batter standing at the wicket if he's completely rigid or a bowler not being able to get into that flow. Um, and not only does it create a rigidity in the body, it actually creates a rigidity in eyesight. So it's very important that um, we get the athlete and the athlete themselves is in the highest level of flow state. And science has proven that the body follows the mind. So when we have that constant mental rehearsal, um, the body knows what to do. And when we instruct it through our mind, it is gonna follow. And that's what flow is. It's when, when you're in the zone, and you are either batting beautifully or you're bowling effortlessly. And that's when you as a spectator are like, wow, you know, like, how is he doing that? So I've recorded to date around 1200 audios for my clients where they travel with them because some of them live overseas and the time zones and I get them to listen to it repeatedly. Um, I mean, I do these techniques with my 10-year-old daughter. Any of us can do them. I do them before I go on stage. I would never go on stage unprepared. I will do my own mental rehearsal. If I've got to speak for 30 minutes, I might rehearse for 10 hours. Wow, that's mind-blowing. In fact, uh, I already started seeing comments from all the people who are watching live, inspiring, amazing, wonderful. So you have uh, really given us great inputs. You have spoken about mind recipe, the mental rehearsals you do with the professional athletes. 
and uh, really it's amazing the way you are working you are actually creating the recipe for them just like you have taken example of making a cake and presenting to them and helping them to have the repetition of some affirmations the recorded audios you mentioned so it's all about the repetition Repet- repetition is always say that repetition is the sweet cousin of mastery and that's that's exactly one of the principles i also followed when uh, i was doing a little uh, on, on the sports side however uh, this is really really incredible what you are doing with professional athletes and you are contributing a lot and uh, well that's really really amazing to know uh, more and more about you guy it's been phenomenal so far thank you thank you sherry okay so now you i would like you to tell us that what kind of uh, principles of neuro linguistic programming and behavior profiling do with the athletes because every person has a different mindset you know every individual has a different experience and different circumstance lives with different kind of people so how do you use uh, you know your uh, ability to help them like if you can sh- uh, throw some examples on how mindset or emotional intelligence has helped athletes for their personal success yeah sure So initially what will happen uh when I start work, start to work with an athlete is um we'll have a conversation for a couple of hours and it's during that time their language is giving me uh strong indications of how they operate. And what I mean by that is um we'll either be quite visual, we might be quite auditory and what that means is we process information visually so we either need to learn it if we're a high visual person we need to learn it by seeing it by reading it uh if we're very visual if we're very auditory we make sense of our world uh by listening so it's very important that from I'll give you an example I'm a very auditory person so Sherry if you were to tell me where to go in India and you showed me a map well I probably wouldn't be able to get to the place however if you told me it would make more sense The four main submodalities are visual, auditory, so how we see the world or how we hear the world, kinesthetic, so whether we're very feeling, uh if we make sense of the world by our emotions. And then the last one is whether we're what we call auditory digital, so whether we process information through um facts, stats, systems, formulas. Generally one of us will individually will be higher in one of those or maybe very high in two of those. So when I have an athlete come to me and if they're using language repeatedly with things like well, you know gay I just feel like I'm never going to make it and and my my gut feeling is I I've just never been good enough and I you know I'm thinking about the way people might perceive me and I I feel like I'm not good enough and then I think I should quit. When I hear that language pattern which is telling me they think a lot and it's also telling me they're kinesthetic i start to build if you're thinking of that cake what how am i going to make sense to them and i'm going to start to use kinesthetic language i'm going to start to use stats formulas research so all of a sudden what i'm saying is making sense to them in their world the level of communication we have with ourselves and others is going to determine the quality of our results um So when when we sort of start to go through that I start to ask them to become aware of their language. Now all of these submodalities um 
you know, have pros and cons and there's not one that's better than the other. However, sometimes the auditory digital, the thinking person, particularly in sport and perhaps in business, they can hold themselves back a little more than, um, than the other three. Now, what marries well with the four submodalities is behavioural profiling. And this is where we have a look at energy types, uh, dominant energy, which is what we call a D energy. So we are born with these energy types and we're naturally one of the four. But what's most important is how do we operate under stress? Um, so we've got a dominant energy type, the D energy, they make fast decisions. Um, they like to have a go at everything. Very rarely will they be held back. They're the warrior archetype. Uh, it's a great archetype as long as they have high social emotional intelligence. Uh, on, the, on the other side of that, they can be the bully, they can be arrogant, they could be my way or the highway. So when you have someone in a sporting team that although, yes, they have that great skill and ability, however, if the social emotional intelligence and social awareness and self-awareness isn't where it needs to be, it could become an issue. Then you have the influence person, which is what we call an eye energy. Eye energies are very happy people. They're very team orientated. Uh, they love to have a good time. They're there for the they're there for the for the you know the goodwill of the game, which is fantastic. However, what can distract uh, the eye energy type is um, pretty much everything. They can be very very lack of focus and disorganisation. Not all, some. We have an S energy type, which is our steadiness, which is a beautiful energy type. However, an S energy is slow to make decisions. Um, it's very loyal, which is an excellent quality. However, they tend to not want to, um, to, to go out of the, you know, push themselves. Uh, and then we have a C energy type, which we call the compliant energy. And a compliant energy is where they operate primarily the individual from the mind. Um, they're very accurate and they're very analytical. And whilst this is fantastic in golf, say so let's just use golf, um, they can hold back. But sometimes with that energy type, the fear is, you know what, I don't want to get it wrong. So they can get very caught up in themselves and, and as you mentioned earlier, be their own enemy. Um, the D energy, the warrior, uh, their biggest fear is being taken advantage of. The I energy, their biggest fear is not being liked. Now this, is, this comes up a lot with athletes. Um, there's a sense of um, a fear of failure and sometimes a fear of success. And that is, well, if I become this, and if I become and I win and I start becoming bigger, will I still be liked? Uh, so that can hold them back. Um, so I use, in my profiling an athlete, I will go to the energy types and I'll have a look and start extracting. And again, their language is always telling me where they're operating from. So it's, it's very much about listening. Um, and then it's starting to encourage language, which is going to build their belief system and also making them aware of why they might be doing the things they're doing or why they're not doing the things they're doing. Wow, this is incredible, guy. I think that's quite a work you do. You do profiling, you understand, analyze their behavior, and you try to find out the energy type. I love that part. I really love that part that a person is dominant, is he assertive? Is he focused? Is he disorganized? I think that uh, this is all where things work for any individual, irrespective of he's athlete or not. But especially if you are working with somebody who has got to create a mindset of an athlete, 
and you need to work on these things from inside and that's where things come up from outside so if you want to uh, so if you want to change the fruit you have to change the root that's right that's exactly right and yeah. like sherry what you're saying is completely accurate all of these principles are cross contextual whether it's whether you're an athlete whether you're in a sales team sales is very interesting to me it's very similar because you're going to have those energy types who's your dominant energy person in a sales team um uh, do they have a high level of social emotional intelligence or are they bullying are they railroading the other people um is the compliant energy person holding back so much for the fear of getting it wrong so they need a lot of social proof before they're going to take action and the way i use it when i'm speaking to an audience i'm aware that all of these energy types are in the room and to engage and to make impact and to entertain yeah. them i've got to look after them and that's what they saying is speaking you look after the room take care of your eyes make sure the d's are getting the information the c's are getting the stats and the s's feel safe super awesome so guy do you read books how do you get at this much of knowledge i do read books my favorite thing to do though is i love to watch athletes getting interviewed super so i love to watch old interviews i love to watch athletes just before they're about to go and play in a tournament it really gives me a good indication of where their belief system is and i have a fairly you know i can sort of ascertain if they're going to do well on the day if they're not going to do well um so that's what i love to do i'm i love that i'm always listening to them and their body language especially as well that's another big part of what i do um is the non-verbal body language it's also indicating where the belief is where the commitment is where the focus is so yeah. along with the athletes when they're talking to me i can hear it in their tonality i can see it in their body language and i'll pick them up on it i'm like it's not enough like you you're not ready or you won't like i need more like there's no certainty so that's another area that i'm fascinated with it's the non-verbal body language um as we know or most of us and for those that don't it conveys and has more weight than the words we're saying so it's our body language followed by our tonality followed by our words that is simply awesome in fact i guess that this is this interview is creating a lot of value you're creating a lot of value for people out there or listening to you and or watching this interview that you know, it's all about the mindset ladies and gentlemen and what guy is telling us is simply outstanding guy you have spoken about mindset you have spoken about energy types the behavior profiling of athletes you have spoken about neuro linguistic programming and the principles you follow um you have spoken about you follow interviews of different athletes i wanted to tell about something Uh, with your journey related to professional speaking mentioned that you are a professional speaker and we would like to know what do you speak about and whom you speak and of course what is your area of expertise when you say that i'm a professional speaker yes yeah, so um i speak about communication uh whether it's working with a corporate company or whether it's working with sporting teams uh again um you know your level of productivity is going to always be determined by the communication that's happening in the workplace um uh, social emotional intelligence that's happening in the workplace um the loss of productivity is due to lack of social emotional intelligence 
In fact, 70% of lost productivity is due to low social emotional intelligence. If you think of that in terms of business, you cannot succeed and continue to succeed at 30%. Uh, you're not going to win a major, you're not going to win a World Cup, a tournament, a race on 30%. Uh, so I go into companies, I have a look at how their staff are communicating to each other. I start to do some profiling, making them aware of um, do they have the right person in the right role? Do they have someone that's a C energy type at their front of house, where in fact that what they would be better off having is that I energy, who's the meet and greet, who's the fun, etc. Um, so I do all of the NLP principles. We're talking about language words we're using, so I present on that. Um, and when I'm not doing that, I'm also a speaker uh, for weddings, so um, creating ceremonies and also for funerals. My, my greatest joy in life is writing, presenting and bringing to life any story that someone uh, that brings, brings my way. So um, as I said earlier, when I speak, it doesn't matter what it is, I prepare just as I would prepare an athlete for their event. So that's a lot of preparation. Um, it's being organised, it's being in flow, it's being focused. However, on the day, for me, when you're speaking, you know, whatever it is that you're speaking about, it really is about being a dance between rehearsed and natural. So getting into flow. Um, and if you think of it in terms of an athlete, the athlete that has, um, you know, put the most effort in, the most practice, has the most certainty, has the most belief and has the most focus, uh, tends to always have the best outcome. I also do a lot of peak state work. So that's when um, I might put a group of people into a state of motivation or, or inspiration, whatever that is. So they're the areas that I, I speak in. Wow, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. I love the last line which you just said that rehearsal and uh, preparation, you know, it's like a dance between rehearse and natural and that's so true. And I'm sure people in, in India are watching this that some people think that speaking is just like a cakewalk. You know, we can be natural. But I always say, and you have also said the same thing probably in a different way, that if you really want to become a professional speaker, if you want to speak in front of a good audience, corporate audience or professional audience, you've got to achieve that, you've got to understand that spontaneity is the highest form of preparation. And that's exactly what I say. And that this is what you have mentioned about the dance between rehearse and natural. And uh, I'm sure that uh, the industry you spoke upon, like ceremonies, I haven't seen this happening here in our country in India, but it's all coming up. I can see the future is pretty bright. All these avenues will open up for the people. There's a lot more talent. And a lot of public speakers in our group, in MS Talks community, for watching this interview from different areas and they're understanding that how professional speaking works and how Guy O'Dwyer is inspiring the world to her phenomenal work and the ability to inspire people. It's been a wonderful, wonderful talking to you. You have shared so many inputs, so much of value in this interview. I would like to ask you the final question. What will be your key message for all the people out there of MS Talks community? I think the key message would be for those of you that are speaking to to really embrace it and to love it. Um, 
it's a beautiful for me i think speaking and presenting on stage is a beautiful art form every single one of us has a unique skill um every single one of us has something that makes us great at speaking or you know it's going out and and really knowing you know what you can change and it sounds cliche however you can change the life of someone in your audience um it's a it's a beautiful thing that the power of words is so transformational um i would encourage everyone that's in the community to keep practicing and keep doing your work with um with sherry especially i know that he does a lot of the non-verbals and this stage craft and storytelling uh the best speakers in the world are the ones that are able to tell stories and also just to be always mindful that when you step on stage it, it is disrespectful to your audience if you just go on there and wing it and um to be honest i think we could probably all stand up there and wing it however if you really want to make impact and you really want to come from heart space um you know respect your audience put in the hours know what you're speaking about and have fun and continue to do it it's it's a beautiful art form and uh i think it's great amazing sherry that you're encouraging and inspiring so many people in india to hop on stage and deliver a message i love that thank you so much coming from you means a lot thank you guy thank you for this outstanding interview you have given today i'm sure many people who will watch this later on will get lot of benefit lot of advantage in terms of getting the mileage for their personality mindset and overall communication there have been so many things which you have shared in this interview which will not only help them become better but also it can help them to transform their life so it's time for quick questions and answers guy uh, right. there are a couple of questions people have commented and i would request all the people who are live watching this telecast if you have any questions please ask specific questions so that you will get a specific answer a short answer it's like brevity so we have first question talking about how do you keep uh, yourself motivated when your family does not support you and uh, i'll just take this question on the screen how do you keep yourself motivated when your family does not support you sometimes you want to excel in life and which is uh, your external environment i think makes sense but what will you do when your internal environment does not support you how do you balance that a quick word from you guy that is an excellent question i actually experienced that in myself i experienced that myself um what i will say is you um you just really need to keep going um and and not give up and it it may be encouraged the people that aren't supporting you to have a look at it from from the angle of you know what I'm not only doing this for me I'm doing this for the benefit for all of us yeah um, and I I want to live who I am and I want to be who I am so it's good for me it's good for you it's good for the greater good and I would say to that person to those people to say to those people not supporting them please have patience with me it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen overnight yes absolutely so someone is asking it's It's very easy to motivate anyone and everyone. How will you motivate your own self when you are on a low phase of life? So low phase of life I think it's one situation people have to actually get a level up. So what's your view on that guy? So great question again. Firstly, this is how I handle the low phase of life. I actually let myself go through it. So when I talk about feeling low or I'm just struggling or I'm stuck, 
I just allow myself to have those moments. I don't tend to stay there for long. However, it's about going through life, not around it. Once I have those moments where I've just accepted I'm, I'm not feeling that great, um, I just ask myself, well, what's it going to cost me if I don't continue? And then I might go and do a lot of exercise or go and do something else that stimulates me to make sure that physically and mentally I'm back on track. Physically inventory back on the track. Absolutely. One final question from another Facebook live viewer. And the question is related to again, self-improvement that winning and losing is a part of life. How do you take it? This is another very good question. Um, I look at it like this. For me personally, I never feel like I've lost if I've given it everything. I don't hold on to a loss. Like I've done many different things and tried many things in my life. And for me, the success is having a go. For me, losing is not having a go. So it's having a go and going in with high standard and possibly, and I say low expectation, and what I mean by that is, is jumping the hurdle, just always jumping the hurdle. And that's winning, being a successful human being and living your life to the end knowing, you know what, I gave it my all. To me, that's success. Incredible. Thank you very much, Guy, for your time. It's been really, really awesome having your views on mindset, on emotional intelligence, on personality development. I guess, okay, uh, another last question we'll take, final one. Uh, if you have to start again from the scratch, I think somebody who is there is asking a very specific question out there. You can just answer to help this person. If you have to start again from the scratch, what will be your first step? My first step would be identifying and knowing what my skills are, what my strengths are and what my skills. And if I wasn't able to have clarity, I would find someone, I would seek out a coach that could identify to me what are my strengths and what are my skills. And once I know that, then I'm going to look at the areas that I can take those strengths and skills and start building from there. So go and check out your skills, find out your strengths, work on your weaknesses, go and hire a coach, take help and move ahead in life and inspire everybody. Thank you very much, Guy, for your time. It has been a wonderful session, one of the most inspiring uh, sessions I have taken, one of the most inspiring interviews I have taken. Thank you for your time and energy you have put in. And uh, I'm sure that people will get a lot of benefit and leverage in terms of their ideology, their mindset, their motivation. And of course, where they lead their life. So thank you very much once again, Guy, for giving your time. And look forward to having many more conversations in the future. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much. And um, I, who knows, I'd love to come and visit India one day. I've heard many amazing things about it. Absolutely. You're most welcome and be my guest. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Pleasure talking to you, Guy. Have a thank lovely you. day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye.